Bringing you the stories behind the songs. Back to the Mulberry Lane Show. Brought to you by Elisa Ilana Jewelry. Now, here's Mulberry Lane. His vocal style has been compared to George Jones, and he's written hits for artists like Tim McGraw and Jody Messina. Joe Diffie dominated 90s country radio with his own string of hits, including John Deere Green and Pickup Man. 12 number one hit singles in all. After being name-checked in a recent Jason Aldean hit, Joe has found his star rising again. He's back with new music, including Girls Riding Shotgun with D Thrash of the Jaja Boys. Joe's hitting the road. If you missed him Friday in Council Bluffs, so you can catch him one more time when he passes through the heartland in Manhattan, Kansas, June 28th for Country Stampede. Well, today on the show, we've got the real Joe. Gonna show you how to Diffie. Welcome to the show, Joe. Hey, how you doing? Good. You know, we can't say this is the first time you've been mentioned in a song. Well, kind of cool, you know. (laughs) Okay, now, how did you find out you were name-checked in the Jason Aldean song? I can't remember who it was. Somebody, like, emailed me and said, hey, I think I heard a song that you were mentioned in. And I'm like, oh, cool, you know. And I thought maybe it'd be something like, you know, I heard Joe Diffie on the radio or something, Uh you know. Little did I know it was going to be, like, Joe, Joe, Joe Diffie and all the whole deal, you know, so. Uh, it was pretty wild. So we got a copy, actually, of Thomas Rhett. Uh-huh. You know, he was a co-writer on that uh-huh. song. Yeah. Okay. And so I actually heard Thomas's demo of it before Jason had ever cut it. So okay. uh, it, was, it was a pretty jaw-dropping, you know. Uh-huh. You know, that had to be really neat because you kind of saw the impact you've had on country music and the latest crop of, of guys out there. Well, you know, like I say, it was Thomas. I hadn't known him. I knew his daddy, you know, sure. Red Aiken, uh-huh. for years and years and years. And I've known Thomas since he was a little kid. Apparently, he's always been a big fan. So I, I still wonder how in the world they came about to write that song. You know, it had to be just a joke, I would think, just goofing around. And they got know? all your hits in there, too. I know. A lot of Unbelievable. Them. Yeah. Unbelievable. That's some good writing. <laughs> now, you responded with the song Girls Writing Shotgun with the Jaja Boys. So, how did you hook up with those guys? Yeah, I've been writing with a bunch of new artists, you know, like Tyler Farr and Kate Stevens and Brett Eldridge, et cetera, et cetera. Uh-huh. And my manager actually called me and said, Hey, man, there's this group out of Georgia, and they're called the Jaja Boys. And, uh, Man, they've been tearing it up on YouTube, you know. And mm-hmm. I was like, okay, here's the deal. They do this stuff called hiccup. I'm like, all right. And they said, you want to write with them? I said, sure, all right. So we did. Next thing I know, uh, you know, I thought it was a pretty cool song. Certainly different for me. Sure, uh, yeah. Anyway, next thing I know, this record label got, got all excited. And uh, we went and shot a video on it and all this kind of stuff. So that's how it kind of came about. It's, like I say, certainly a departure for me. I, I just did the, the country part. Right. D-Thrash did the other part of it, you know. <laughs> it's a neat it's mashup. It's a lot of fun. Yeah. Yeah, yeah now, it's a lot of fun. Do you think your street cred as a Nashville songwriter helps you take risks like that for your career? Uh, well, you know, I think more than that, I think it's just, in nowadays, the culture, and at my age, I, you have to do something that is an attention getter, you know, and I hate to say that, but I still wanted to maintain some sort of integrity, but sure. but you have to do something unusual. If I just did a regular old song, it's like, everybody would be, okay, that's cool, nice song, but, yeah. you know, so anyway, that's, that's kind of the, the theory behind it. Country music star and songwriter Joe Diffie joining us here on the Mulberry Lane Show. Okay, so then when you're contemplating, like, doing new music, do you get fearful, or how do you approach it? Nah, I just no. forge right ahead, you know? I mean, you kind of have a sense after you've done it as long as I have of what, uh, you know, will work, what won't work, et cetera, uh-huh. you know? I mean, when I wrote the Jody Messina song, I actually wrote it for me, uh, okay. my Give a Damn Bust is the name yeah. of it, and uh, 
you know, I had a few of my buddies were like, man, you know, I don't know if you should say that word in there, you know. I was like, are you kidding me? <laughs> Everybody, you know, it's everywhere. So, uh, right. anyway, so now I think you got to do what, what you think's best, you know. Yeah, that's an awesome song, by the way. I love that one. <laughs> oh, <thank you. laughs> now, would you say you're more of a listen to your inner artist person, or do you take input from, like, label people in the business minds around you? How much are you balanced with those oh, decisions? Man, that's a good question. Uh, well, I think... As an artist, you kind of have a sense, an innate sense of what you like and what will work. It's kind of a democratic thing because you got these other people who are going to have to work on it, and they have sure. to believe in it too. You right. know, and uh, they have to be a part so, of it. Yeah, exactly. So you kind of balance those two and weigh what you go in and insist. You know, hey, this is the song I want on the radio, and and if they don't like it, they're not going to work it very well. So right. uh, you know, yeah. you have to kind of balance mm-hmm. all that. And then yeah. you probably have to take into consideration your fan base too, and what they absolutely. Would like. uh-huh. Yeah, you think about what your fans would like, what they would you know want, want to hear you do, and whatnot. So there's a lot of balls in the air that you just keep juggling them, you know. Right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Now, songwriting wise, are you more lyric or melody driven? Um, probably sixty forty lyric. Okay. Hmm. You know, if I really dig deep, I can do the melody stuff. But okay. a lot of times, it's, you know, I don't know if you guys do this, but a lot of times the the melody just kind of, you know, somebody will say a line and you just hear a melody automatically, you know. Okay, yeah. so it kind of so. comes together for exactly. you at the same time. Yeah. Okay. Now, if you had to point to one thing you've learned on your musical journey that you would pass on to someone, what would it be? Uh, gosh, you know, don't burn bridges. Okay. Because you just never know when uh, something's going to come around some other day that honestly might be beneficial to you. And plus, it just doesn't, it's just bad karma, you know, so just... Uh, Don't burn bridges. Just treat people like you'd like to be treated. Okay. Okay. I love that. Do you have a personal favorite hit or song of yours? There's a couple of them, but the the one I do most often uh, in my shows is a song called Ships That Don't Come In. Okay. And it's uh, just a very poignant song, and it always seems to get a lot of uh, emotional response from the audience. So I I like that one. Okay. And then going back to your not burning bridges, when you're super successful and you have a lot of hits and everyone is demanding a piece of your time and your time is not your own how do you keep from burning bridges when you're in that situation that's a good question you have to learn how to say no politely okay (laughs) (laughs) it's easier said than done right (laughs) it is yeah Uh yeah and you know honestly you have managers and other people that act as buffers for you sometimes i mean it's because you're right it just becomes physically impossible to do everything that that's asked of you and all the requests you get and you know et cetera, et cetera. so you you just try to be as polite as you can some people most people are very understanding and Uh uh, but People almost probably quit seeing you as a person. Well, I think it's just human nature. Everybody would like to, to benefit from something, you know, and uh, so I think, you know, everybody wants a little piece of you. And it's good in one way, and it's kind of sad in another because you have to start shielding yourself a little bit, and you don't really want to, right. you know, but yeah, you yeah. just almost have to. And For so survival, you, probably. Yeah. 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 And then we have our question of the day, and that is, what do you do when you feel your confidence waning or that you're doubting yourself? Is there anything that you do to help yourself out in that situation? So that's a tough one. I've always felt fairly confident, I mean, at least in 
and my abilities, you know, the thing you get more frustrated with is when you feel like you have something good that just isn't working, you know. Uh-huh. And yeah. For me, I go, I, I call my parents okay. and get advice from them. I call, you know, I just call friends or, or talk to them and sit down, and uh, that kind of gives you that uh, back-to-basics thing, you know. Yeah, and it, going home a little bit, kind of. Mm-hmm, exactly. Okay. Cool. So, golf or music? Well, music. Okay. <laughs> music, we're happy to hear that, Joe. Yeah. <laughs> All right, Joe. Well, we want to thank you so much for joining us today, and thank you for showing us how to diffy. <laughs> I appreciate it. You guys are great. Uh, Thanks, thank Joe. you. That was Joe Diffie here with us today on the Mulberry Lane Show. Stick around. Be right back with Paul Delisle of Smash Mouth. Here's a little Diffie. Well, I got my first truck when I was three. Drove a hundred thousand miles on my knees. Hauled marbles and rocks and thought twice before. I hauled a Barbie doll bed for the girl next door. She tried to pay me with a kiss and I began to understand. There's something women like about a pickup man. When I turned 16, I saved a few hundred bucks. My first car was a pickup truck. I was cruising the town, and the first girl I see was Bobby Joe Gentry, the homecoming queen. She flagged me down and climbed up in the cab and said, I never knew you were a pickup man. You 